very hard decision to quit my school teaching job. It was my it was my last full time gig, and at the same time, I had to tell the kids that I was leaving. And till today, a few of them are still in my life as well. Uh, I remember having that conversation, and we just all started bursting out in tears. And I'm thinking to myself, why am I crying? This is, you know, I'm their school teacher.、Um, and then I thought to myself, you know what? I'm not even going to hold, hold back, and I'm not going to hide the fact that I care about these kids so much. And、uh, yeah, we sat there, we cried, we hugged, we、uh, celebrated, we had a laugh about everything, and it just goes to show it was one of the hardest decisions I had to make, but it was one of the best things I had to make for myself, firstly. But also for those kids, because once again, I showed them how to live. Yo, Ryan Hartley here, host of the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. Welcome to the interview sessions where I put my curious questions to inspiring people. I have one goal in mind for our time spent together: is that you hear something in the next thirty minutes. That will inspire you, that will help you grow in your heart and in your mind in some way. These interview sessions are brought to you by our great friends at Web Creation. Head to webcreationgroup.com for stunning websites at sensible prices. If you're not part of our Always Better Than Yesterday community on Facebook, pause this right now. Come and join over 600 like-hearted, like-minded people from all around the world. We ask that you come as you are, and hopefully leave a little bit better. Today, on episode 130, I am joined by Lenita Abuchebek. Lenita is the founder of the Teen Coach Academy. It is a coaching academy that's all about helping leaders who really want to make a difference. In teenagers' lives, it's amazing. You know that I love conversations about making a positive impact, especially in the lives of young people. You're about to hear some great things from Lenita and what she's doing with her amazing organisation. I hope it inspires you in some way. Be sure to check out all the links in the、uh, description, in the show notes, and just let this one sink in into your heart and mind. I hope that it inspires you. Please do share it with that one person you feel would benefit from listening to it too. I'm Ryan Hartley, and this is episode 130 with Lenita Abuchebek. Enjoy, my friends. Lenita, welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. So good to finally connect with you. How are you? I'm good, Ryan. How are you? Thanks for having me today. I'm good, thank you. I'm just going to say, like, for those of you that are listening, you're you're benefiting from not having to see my face. Like, I've got a little bit of a poorly eye today, so I'm sure my team at Tie Fifty Five, when they edit the videos, they're going to put like a a bandana or a patch over my eye. <laughs> <laughs> so you and I connected、um, through David Prosper. We connected. We both spoke at his Youth Leadership Summit, and、uh, it's my fault that this has taken so long for this to happen. And I'm <laughs> I'm just really glad. Where are you in the world today? I am from Sydney, Australia. That's where I'm checking in at the moment. Love that. And、um, you, do you call yourself the teen coach? I do. Yeah, definitely. You know, if we were to attach a title, because you know we all love our titles,、uh, mm. teen coach is definitely the go-to. And、uh, I, I'm a trainer now for a lot of teen coaches who want to get into the gig and learn a little bit more about the art as well. 
Yeah, I love that. We're going to dive into some of that stuff. But before we do, I'd love to know a bit about your background. How did you get into coaching? How did that become a thing for you? Yeah, totally. If we were to take it back to how it all began, you know, I was that school kid who was always told, you should become a teacher, Lanita. You'd be such a great teacher. And I thought, that is the last thing on earth I want to do. <laughs> I loved I loved working with kids, but I didn't think I'd become a, a teacher. So funnily enough, I actually fell into school teaching and I started to teach in high schools. Um, I was a PE teacher by, by trade, I guess, and absolutely loved it. Um, but I felt like I was called to do more, tap into different avenues. I, I went to the States to work on summer camps with kids and I thought, oh my gosh, it opened up a new world to me as well. And um, basically from there, it just began. You know, I came back home, started teaching in schools, but I felt like there was a massive gap in between, like between what kids were learning on camps and in the, you know, out there in the real world and then what they were learning in the classrooms. So I just started to suss out different platforms and accidentally fell into the personal coaching space. And uh, I instantly fell in love, but I found that there was no one doing it for teenagers. Mm. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to use my expertise, hone in on, on my passion for teens, most, most importantly, and trial out this teen coaching gig. And that's where it brings me here today, coaching teenagers and supporting their parents. I mm, love that. And uh, coaching synonymous with sport. You know, we, we have coaches mm -hmm. in, in sport. That's probably the most recognizable coach that we we can imagine but how did that differ from what was going on in the classrooms yeah great question a lot of it was although we try to push student-centered learning it was still somewhat teacher-centered and mm. it was always around the systems the curriculum this is what we're teaching to the outcomes which mm. The schools do a phenomenal job at it. Uh, however, it doesn't fill the needs and the wants of the teenagers and that human connection with the home. And so a lot of the time, yeah, it's just that it, it lacked a lot of student-centered, it, it lacked a lot of human connection um, and really just bringing in what are the teenagers actually really needing from us, first and foremost, before we throw out the syllabus and the outcomes. Because often at times that's not where they're at. They're either well ahead due to the advance in technology or they're way behind on their emotional intelligence. And there was just a massive disconnect between the teenagers and uh, the curriculum itself. Yeah. That's really powerful. What is it about teens? Oh, I try to knuckle it down to one thing. And I always think about how I fell into this, uh, I think for me personally, if I was to reflect back, reflect back on my own personal story, I was a teenager that beat the odds. You know, on paper, if you were to look at, you know, statistically growing up with divorced parents and having a few setbacks myself in early on in life, I shouldn't be where I am today. And I always think about how did I beat the odds? How did I become a really successful student, you know, not only academically or athletically, but I turned out to be a good kid. And it always come back, it always came back to the coaches, the influences I had, and importantly, the parent that I had in the home. Mm. And, uh, you know, divorced parents uh, was a big thing that I had to deal with, but my mother was really great in uh, conversations, asking the right questions, really embedding 
me to think about the decisions I had to make very early on in my life. And so from there, I just felt, I felt called. I felt called to just give that gift to teenagers, to my peers, to the kids in high school that I was a peer support leader for. Mm. It started, it started very early on in my life. I just didn't realize how early uh, I had that influence on people. So I think to, to really knuckle it down, it's just an extension of my own personal story and uh, that congruency is everything. And I thought, why not gift that? Why not just share that message with teenagers and their parents too? So just to show kids and even a lot of parents, if I can do it, there's so much hope out there for all the other teenagers to do it too. And uh, yeah, that's where it really, really began for me. I love that. And um, it's so important about this, these this guidance and the coaching style in the home. And I think with, with adults, so my wife was, was running her business and, and I was developing as a coach. So naturally she would have complaints that would come to me and I would then coach back. And there's just an emotional barrier. When there's someone that you love and you're coaching, there's an emotional barrier. It's like, Oh, stop coaching me. What are some of the, <laughs> what are some of the things that, that parents can do for kids that are subtle? Exactly. I love that you said that because there's a saying that I love and it's uh, you can't be a prophet in your own land mm. sometimes. Mm. And often that's the case. You know, I've copped it too. I'm not the life coach or the motivational speaker. Yeah. All the time. And yeah. uh, when it's when you're so close to home or when you're so close to that person, they can't see you as that coach. And so for a lot of parents that approach us, they really, uh, we love to empower them to see that there is no shame in, in asking for support mm -hmm. and reaching out to an additional messenger that can complement your message in the home. Mm -hmm. And often at times, teenagers are conditioned to, to bump heads with their parents or bump heads with their teachers, and they really want to just question everything. And we want to celebrate that. We want parents to acknowledge uh, the beauty in their teenagers actually questioning the norms. It's not a bad thing. Mm. So for us, especially as coaches, we want to empower parents to sit down and actually have conversations with them, uh, make the time to ask them the right questions, and importantly, just have someone external to the home to bounce off with, bounce off those ideas, vent a little bit, and actually uh, have, a, have a role model for their teenager with consistent support and consistent check-ins which they're not getting from the school or maybe existing support such as counsellors or psychologists mm. um, so yeah there's a there's a lot of things that that we do empower parents to step into and most importantly we don't make we don't want them to think that we're here to replace parenting or mm. to replace schools we're here to complement what's already working and then fill in the gaps in the traditional education system too I had a wonderful lady on recently called Kimberly Carr. She she leads a nonprofit called I Can Help that's all about helping parents um, with their teens with tech, see it, use it positively. And one of the things that she shared with us was about sometimes teens or kids can be quite closed when you say, how was your day? But mm -hmm. she slightly rephrased it and she said, show me your day, i.e. tech, show me the things that you've been interacting, show me the things that you've been liking and, and, and walk alongside. What are some of those go-to opener, like icebreaker questions that you love to yeah. ask to really <laughs> get the conversation going? It's, I love this. It's uh, for me and from experience and what we help our coaches through is 
it's not necessarily the questions. It's uh, it's the energy and the time you give to the to your mm. teenagers. Mm. So often at times when you're wanting to ask them those questions, they do tend to switch off because they're either tired or they don't want to talk or they don't want you to be on their back about something. Mm. So it's actually the time of day where you spend just hanging out with, with your kids, mm. whether they're playing video games or outside uh, running around in the park or maybe at their sporting games or just driving on your way to school and just having a laugh. What's really beautiful about that is when they feel like you're giving them your time and just really mirroring them, they start to open up and ask you and they start to share more about themselves as well. So for us, we don't focus too much on like the questioning, but it's a, it's a matter of the consistency and the time that you're spending with them and letting them come to you. But you just got to lead the way and just hang out with them and spend time with them more. Because um, often if they feel like they're not being seen, heard or loved, they're not going to answer those questions at all, no matter how great they are. Um, because if they feel ne neglected in any way, they're not going to come and, and open up for those questions. Um, so teenagers love to talk. They love to express themselves as much as we think they don't want to express themselves. It's just a matter of celebrating and seeing them first. And that comes down to the time you spend with them rather than figuring out what words to say to them. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Coaching is a powerful tool to untap potential in people. And as you've already talked about your own potential and mm -hmm. um, one part of that, I guess part of the toolkit is overcoming limiting beliefs. What are some of the common limiting beliefs of, of teens that you encounter? Yeah, great one. There's a, unfortunately there's a range around their self-confidence uh, feeling like they're not they're not good enough when it comes to their grades, mm. uh, even a lot of social anxiety and and this fear of talking in public, they have this anxiety around just talking to people as well. Especially with distance learning now, with the whole COVID situation, they're not seeing people as often. Uh, but a lot of the time, it's just that confidence around school, and we find with a, with a lot of our clients, these kids actually love school. And they want to do well and they want to get the A's and the B's. And when they don't, they think they're not good enough. Mm. So we really want to just help them establish, hey, this is this is the foundation of who you are and your self-worth. Mm. The grades are just a bonus of that. So we just got to come back to your mindset. So if we were to really come back to the core of, of a lot of their limiting beliefs, mm. just like adults, they, they think they're not enough. Mm. And they're always trying to validate themselves and, be seen and impress their parents or impress their their friends and just wanting to be enough yeah that makes me sad it's really sad honestly like you you think what and this is the the main question people throw out it's like what on earth are teenagers stressed about what do they have to have yeah. what what what's happening at their age for them to be stressed about mm. but i find that often at times we need to give them more credit because mm. they're born in a digital age where they've got social media, school has not gotten any easier. If anything, reflecting back as a teacher too, there's so much more uh, pressure mm. being added to teenagers' lives at such an early age. And unfortunately, because the adults in the system are suffering, that is being transferred onto the children. Mm. And that's why a lot of them are suffering. And so and the easy thing is to say, oh, you know, just get over it. Or what do you have to stress about at this age? 
But as teenagers, in comparison to when we were kids, they're actually faced with a lot of pressure, especially with social media. Mm. Mm. Empathy. It's, yeah. um, it's something that we could all benefit from because it's, it's very easy to look at their masks and there's a, there's a lyric um, from, a, from a, a UK rock star. His name's Tom Walker and he wrote a song and he basically says, I won't pretend to know what it's like to walk in your shoes, but I'll try them on for you. Oh, and that really, mm, it really represents what I think sometimes parents and leaders need to do, which is instead of make judgments and assumptions, just mm. get curious, walk alongside and ask. It's so true. And when you connect on such a deep human level mm. with teenagers, they res they connect so well. They, they, they are at times you don't think that they're emotionally mature to have those deep conversations, but it's a matter of just when you just got to keep niggling and just be there, be present, be a bit of a goofball. But the second you become that point of contact for that teenager and the second they ask you for advice mm -hmm. is the second you've won as a, as a leader in their life. Because often at times when it comes to education or parenting, etc., we get caught up with what we need to do and what we need to say and all the logistics and the credentials. But at the end of the day, they just want to be, they want to feel connected to you on a human level. And funnily enough, that's the reason why I bumped a lot. I bumped heads in the education system because I did things unconventionally mm -hmm. and I put the hearts of the teenagers first before the content. Mm. And that's why I never fitted in. And mm you know, one of the biggest blessings that actually ever happened because it it helped encourage this movement that I've built today too. And uh, they don't forget. They may not remember what you'd say to them, but they will remember how you feel. Mm. And as whether you're a parent, a coach, a teacher, if you just become that point of contact, it's just a matter of when they start to express themselves. And that's the biggest win we need to celebrate. Um, because, yeah, there's a lot of teenagers suffering in silence. Mm. And that's that's the biggest scare of it all. Mm. It's such an external world, isn't it? It's the grades, it's the school, it's the expectations, maybe the expectations of parents. And you know, I'm sure many parents will be listening and, and, and want to hear that more teachers are putting their own kids in their heart first rather than their grade. What do you think? we could get onto a whole conversation about system reform. Let's not do that. Let's, let's talk. about <laughs> This could go a whole new way. Let's go with legacy. I love the fact that to enable, to have more of an impact, you're training others to go and do what you do. Um, mm -hmm. How, how are you, how, how are you doing that? How are you training other team coaches? Yeah. I love this so much. It's uh, I'm very unconventional. So there are a lot of, there are a lot of coaching schools out there, coaching programs that really go in on how, like, hey, this is how you need to coach. Yes. And we, we do celebrate that. And I think it's very important. However, when we uh, bring in people through, you know, whether, whether they're professionals in education or professionals in coaching, we always start with their personal story first. Mm -hmm. Because we always want to place congruency over credentials. And a lot of the time we've, uh, we've seen people come into our academy or into our circle with, hey, I'm certified. Hey, I've, I've got this, yeah, I've got yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I like to actually know where your heart is first. I love that. 
I'm certified. I've got my branding shots. I've got my niche. Oh, <laughs> makes me, oh, like, and we want, we want to take you through, like we're very professional in the sense where we want to make sure there are protocols and, and systems yeah. and procedures in place because we're working with children. Um, but essentially one of the, the first pieces of tasks or uh, action items we get our, our coaches to do is share their personal story because mm. often at times, they're dealing with a lot of hurt from their own childhood yes, and they haven't dealt with it yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I look at them and they struggle. They struggle to share their story in a content post. And I have, I have to have that hard conversation with them. If you don't, if you can't handle your story now, how are you going to help a child release that guilt or release that shame? Because often as adults, we're still carrying a lot of guilt and shame that we weren't able to deal with as kids. And a lot of the time, whether we have business problems, relationship problems, uh, you know, anything around our career, often it's personal problems we, we just haven't dealt with since childhood. Mm. So how we, uh, yeah, how we get our coaches through, uh, they're already professionals. That's one of the biggest non-negotiables we we want them to be in the market for at least five to ten years working with children we think that's a big thing that we need to make sure we're quite consistent with but essentially once they're through hey let's talk about your personal story and let's start celebrating that congruency because that's what parents are going to buy they're going to invest in your personal congruency Mm. uh, and your story Mm. as, as a coach as a person so i think I think authenticity is is simply being congruent with, you know, when our words and our actions represent what we actually think and what we actually believe. And what's your take on congruency? What are you hoping that they are congruent with? Yeah. It comes down to what are they doing in their everyday life? Yeah. You know, not just like you have to practice what you post. (laughs) And a lot of the time, if you're posting about mindset or affirmations, you don't have to be perfect all the time, right? We don't have to be good. We don't have to be great to, to start. However, we need to make sure that we're actually our number one testimonial in our business first. Mm. And do we have a coach ourselves as well? Mm-hmm. If we're wanting parents and teachers to invest in us as their coach, who are we investing in to make sure that we're leveling up all the time too? Mm-hmm. Because parents and teenagers, they want to learn off people who are continuously leveling up in life. And if I look back at when I was a school teacher, I was a walking hypocrite <laughs> because I was not leveling up in my life. I was stuck. I was burnt out. I had a, I laugh at this now, but I had a quarter life crisis at yeah. age 25. I'm like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. essentially that personal congruency is what are you doing every single day to just yeah. add to that next level? And uh, that's number one. Number two is vulnerability. Yep. You've got to wear your heart on your sleeve. This is a very sensitive industry. And if you cannot, you know, get in touch with your own emotions or share that with parents and teenagers, they're not going to trust you to open up. They, they, you, they, in this industry specifically, you need to be vulnerable. And that's, a, that's once again, that's quite hard for a lot of coaches in the beginning because they're used to hiding behind their university degree or their yep. coaching certificate. Safety and security and status. Yeah, so uh, that uh, comes down to yeah, walking the talk every day and uh, vulnerability. Got to wear your heart on your sleeve. Mm. Vulnerability is so unattractive to to many people, isn't it? And uh, how are you seeing the? Because 
if you read enough about vulnerability, you know that vulnerability is strength. And I think there's a difference between intellectually knowing that mm. and emotionally knowing that. How has vulnerability, embracing vulnerability helped you specifically? Yeah, I think uh, owning my story, coming back to that, you know, the second you own your story is the second someone else can't own it over you. And the biggest lesson that we can actually teach teenagers is how we live. Yes. And one of our mottos that we go by at, at Teen Coach Academy is show teens how to live. Don't just tell them. Because mm. they are our greatest witness in life. They, they will read us like an open book and they will call BS when they see it. Yeah. And they're not given enough credit. They Teachers or adults in general think that kids don't know what's going on, but whether they're in your home or in your classroom or in your coaching sessions, they'd probably stalked you on Instagram or stalked you somewhere else or sussed you out somehow. They know whether you're walking the talk or not. And you you just, you can't fake it around them too. Mm. So I think coming back to vulnerability, it's really helped my own story Mm. uh, and really connecting on a much deeper level to parents. Uh, I think I think it comes back to my own experience with my own mother and growing up with like p- empowering women in my life. Mm. I have this connection with a lot of parents or a lot of mothers in general where holding that space for them. Mm. And if you're able to be vulnerable and express your emotions, you you create such a safe place for people to open up to you. And when they feel safe, it's like I, I want more. Mm. I feel safe in your arms. I'd love for my teenager to be around you. Mm. And funnily enough, they've never asked me if I'm certified or if I'm, which I am, of course, right. But we never say that. We never have those conversations. So safe space, you know, really open up. A lot of parents are also suffering in silence. They don't have that support. Uh, They're not being heard. Mm -hmm. And you really just know they have to have that discipline to just hear them out even if they're saying things that you don't necessarily resonate with, you just got to let them talk because there's a lot of emotions that just aren't being expressed mm. because schools might not have the time to deal with that. Do you have a soft spot for the underdog? Oh my gosh. That just gives me goosebumps. Yes. 110%. When I see, I, I, I'm the underdog. I know that myself. When I see, a teenager that's uh, not being celebrated or being picked on or that naughty kid in the class, I go there and I'm like, there's something in this, this kid that I, I just need to find out. Mm. And uh, often at times when they feel like they're not worthy enough, uh, I get them to empower that underdog mentality as well. You've got nothing to lose here. You've got nothing to lose. You Don't compare yourself to everyone else. Just compare yourself to where you were yesterday. Mm. And uh, yeah, great question. Mm. I do love it. I love that. Let's hook on the back of that. What does the phrase always better than yesterday mean to you? Mm. Always uh, stepping closer to the best version of yourself. Because mm. I heard a saying the other day, Hell on earth is when you've met the person that you could have been. (laughs) Yeah. And I can't remember who said that. It's a famous quote, but hell on earth is meeting the person that you could have been (laughs) missing that chance, missing that potential. And I think that's what comes down to that meaning for me is 
getting that step closer to the best version of yourself. And what's really great about that is the journey in itself, not the destination. Mm -hmm. And when you give yourself permission to grow in that manner, you give others that permission as well. And we want to give, we want to embed that more in the teenage years, then wait for them to hit their twenties or their thirties and then unlearn everything that they learn. Mm. So we really want to just plant the seeds at much, a much earlier life for mm. them. Well, I still can't shake that quote you've just said. I think for anyone listening that's haunted by the words you've just said, good. Be, haunt, <laughs> be haunted for a day, no more, and then let that inspire you. Imagine me in the person you could have become. And this is where I loved, um, you know, with, with Matthew McConaughey coming on, I just loved what he said at the Oscar speech is about who you are in 10 years time and love the chase. It, like what you said, it's about the journey. It's about the process and surrendering to the fact that we may not meet, meet that person surrendering to the point that we may not ever meet the best version of ourselves, but we're going to enjoy the process of becoming that person. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it comes down to once again, yeah, becoming that, uh, showing them and setting those standards setting those, uh, you know, when it comes down to that self-respect, who we hang around as adults too, because we're always on kids' backs about <laughs> peer pressure, bullies, hang around, show me your five friends and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what you will be in a few years' time. Like we've heard all of these sayings. Mm. And once again, I look at when, when we have conversations with our teen coaches, yep. uh, I ask them, you know, where are you receiving your information? What type of community are you hanging around as well? Because once again, that congruency is everything. And if you're not being supported or you don't have your own standards to live by, how are we going to transfer that onto the children too? Mm. Yeah. Mm. What question have I not asked you that you're dying to answer? Ooh, that's a good question. Hmm. I would say maybe one of the one of the best moments working with teenagers and maybe one of the most challenging moments working with teenagers too. Mm, yeah. I'd love to hear that. Let's go. Of course. One of the best moments for me working with teenagers was it's funny. It's actually the the best and the worst mm. in one. Mm -hmm. I had to make a very hard decision to quit my full-time school teaching job because I wanted to pursue coaching full-time. So it was playing on my mind for, for a few months. I knew I wanted to make that transition slowly. Um, however, I had really negative experiences with colleagues and with my former uh, boss, principal, you know, you call that. Mm -hmm. And um, so my plan to transition out, actually, it, it, it happened much quicker. So I had, to make, I had to make a very hard decision to quit my school teaching job. It was my, it was my last full-time gig. And at the same time, I had to tell the kids mm. that I was leaving. And till today, a few of them are still in my life as well. Uh, I remember having that conversation and we just all started bursting out in tears. And I'm thinking to myself, why am I crying? This is, you know, mm. I'm their school teacher. Um, and then I thought to myself, you know what? I'm not even going to hold back. And I'm not going to hide the fact that I care about these kids so much. Mm. And uh, yeah, we sat there, we cried, we hugged. We are celebrated. We had a laugh about everything. And it just goes to show it was one of the hardest decisions I had to make, mm. but it was one of the best things I had to make for myself firstly, but also for those kids, because once again, I showed them how to live. Mm. 
Mm. And I showed them to never settle in something that you're not happy, happy with or congruent with or your heart's not in it. And um, I got to see how much I meant to them as well. Mm. Even the naughty kids, even the ones that I thought didn't like me, mm. <laughs> they got emotional too. And you think sometimes as adults, this kid, my message is not hitting home to this kid, but I promise you they're listening and they're yeah. watching you. Mm. And sometimes they won't tell you and that's okay. We don't have to hear it all the time from kids. Uh, but from that moment that, that I experienced, they're listening and they care about you more than you know. I love that. That's such a powerful story. Thank you for sharing that. How can, how can people connect with you if they're inspired by you and they want to consider becoming a teen coach themselves? Where can they find more information? Yeah, great question. Uh, we do have a free Facebook group. This is something that I'm incredibly passionate about. We hang out there daily. It's called Thriving Teen Coaches. And uh, that's where we can hang out. You get to see me more often. We talk about all things teen coaching in regards to the art of it and the business. And importantly, you get to really connect with uh, like-minded leaders who are passionate about working with teens mm -hmm. and somewhat never fit the norm in the traditional systems. So we're kind of the misfits that uh, really talk about the unconventional stuff as well. So Thriving Teen Coaches Facebook group, uh, I'll definitely link you guys up to that as well. So you can, yeah, come and hang out. Love that. Thank you for taking time out of your day to, to come and spend it with our community. Really enjoyed hearing some of your uh, your stories and your, your your heart for teens, your heart for coaching. And and uh, yeah, it's great to watch and great to be part of. And um, yeah, if anyone's listening, anyone's watching, go and check it out. Go and become a part of it. I think the more that we have champions and coaches and cheerleaders for teens, the, the better our future will be and the better their future will be. So, so thank you for all the great work that you're doing. And I'd just be honored if you'd leave us a final thought from your good self. Yeah, totally. Uh, always remember teenagers are our greatest witnesses. And even when you feel like you're not the smartest person in the room, you're not the most credible or you don't say the, always the right thing as a parent, uh, they're always going to remember how you made them feel. And so just show up, be consistent, lead with your heart first. And I promise you, you'll always win as a leader in a teenager's life. Mic drop. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me. There we go. Episode 130 with Lindita Abuchebeg. What an awesome conversation. I just love the fact that she's out there trying to help other people make such a positive difference to our teens and our next generation. I hope that there's been something in this last half an hour that has really inspired you in your heart and your mind in some way. For me, I think the thing that really stands out loud and clear is just to be the example, to live, love and lead by an example. Do share this with someone that you wish to inspire. Come and surround yourselves with like-hearted people in our Facebook community. We are always better than yesterday. This is the first time you've ever pushed play on our Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day. I really, really do appreciate it. Go and check out the previous 129 episodes full of some insane wisdom and inspiration that I just know that if you implement one thing from every single episode, you will be infinitely better than yesterday. I promise you that. Have a great day. Have a great rest of your week. Appreciate you listening. Always love.